the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. A very happy Tuesday to everybody. However, wherever you are listening, thank you for doing so. I'm AJ Salveson. On Tuesday, September 24th, 5.01 to kickoff time for the second hour of this edition of the Full Court Press. Um, Eric is off getting ready for Utah State. Uh, I guess Utah State post-practice. He's going to go get some audio. Um, he'll share that with you guys uh, through uh, probably tomorrow and then, of course, on Saturday. Again, uh, you're, you can find your KVNU game day. Uh, on Saturday at 3.30, they'll be at Locker 42. It'll be Alan Craig, and then Eric will join him for the second hour. Uh, you'll, they'll, you'll get their uh, thoughts, their opinions, and, of course, their predictions uh, versus the Colorado State Rams, a 5.30 kickoff time, and on CBS Sports Network. Again, a reminder that Utah State LSU game time has been announced. That is next Saturday, 10 a.m. Mountain Time. That's an 11 a.m. Mountain Time LSU time, so Aggies will be playing, Aggies will be playing a morning game. Much different from the 8:30 game they had against San Diego State on Saturday night this past week. That game will also be on the SEC Network again, 10 a.m. Mountain Time on the SEC Network, and you can find your pregame here at 8 a.m. And then again, call in with thoughts and questions, concerns and opinions after the game is over. Eric says I'm getting ahead of myself for that in that regard though too. And in fact, when he was talking about what he was saying with Nick is uh, during our press conference. I asked Nick, hey, is there any distractions, you know, with homecoming festivities and activities and such? And he said, no, it's, look, we, I mean, we have a game to play. We have a game to win. It's a conference game. We're, we're focused on that. Uh, and we got to make sure our priorities are right. What are, what are the things that are going to help us win this game this Saturday night versus Colorado State? And then I asked a really stupid question. I Look, I am one guy who will admit when he asks dumb questions, this was one of them. I asked him about uh, LSU. And, you know, there's this big game against LSU, and how are you guys going to handle that? You know, is there any, like, worry about looking way, looking ahead past Colorado State? And he gave me, and Nick's one of the nicest guys I've ever uh, had the chance to interview, and he kind of gave me a glare of, dude, you just asked something similar to this. Why are you asking me about LSU right now? And he very politely responded, and he was pretty stern, too, that, no, it's focused on LSU, uh, and that's all that, or not, sorry, focused on Colorado State and not on LSU. Colorado State's a conference game, and it's a conference game they have to win. So, again, all eyes on the Colorado State Rams. Whether that bodes well for Colorado State or not will be yet to be determined. By the way, our, tomorrow is our In the Know. We'll give you In the Know and audio uh, on the Colorado State Rams. Uh, Coach Bobo had his press conference, so you'll get uh, his thoughts on the Utah State Aggies, his thoughts on his football team. Um, who are right now 1-3 on the season. They can score a lot of points, but they give up a ton of points as well, uh, which could be a problem for them. And how will they handle uh, this Utah State offense on their offensive side? Are they going to chew the clock, or will they play the uh, track, meet, run, and gun game? Uh, and then Kelly Lyle of the Coloradoan, which is a part of the USA Network, is or excuse me, USA Today Network, uh, he is going to join us about 430 uh, and share his thoughts uh, with us about the Colorado State Rams and uh, his keys for what the Rams need to do to get a win at Maverick Stadium, which they did two years ago uh, in pretty dominating fashion, if I remember correctly. So again, that's just all coming up, uh, so stay tuned throughout the week, 
and uh, we'll uh, get to uh, update you on any news of the Utah State football team. Speaking of Utah State football or Utah State news, I should say, tip time and TV coverage for the Aggies versus the Florida Gators has been announced. Uh, that will be the second game of the day at the Orange Bowl Basketball Classic, and will tip against the Florida Gators at one thirty, or excuse me, twelve thirty Mountain Time on Saturday, December twenty first, inside the BB&T Center in Sunrise, Florida. The game will be te- televised, by the way, on FS One. Now that's Channel One Fifty for Dish, Channel Two Nineteen for uh, Xfinity, or excuse me, for DirecTV, and then Channel Two Sixty Five for Xfinity. South Florida and Florida State will open the Classic at. At 10 a.m. Mountain Time. So again, Utah State, Florida Gators at 12.30 Mountain Time on Saturday, December 21st will be on FS1. What a big, big matchup for the Aggies. And again, they're also going to the Toyota Center to face this, uh, to face South Florida. So they'll see a lot of these Florida teams coming through. And then they get LSU in the Jamaica Classic as well. Uh, that will be in Jamaica, of course. Uh, and will be over the weekend of when the Aggies will be taking on the Boise State Broncos in an 8.30 showdown on November 20th. So you'll have plenty of Aggie coverage coming whichever way you look uh, as the uh, basketball team will be getting their preseason underway, and Aggie football will be looking for what they hope is a Mountain West Championship showdown versus the Boise State Broncos. Most likely the winner of that game will uh, head on to uh, either host or face uh, a team from the other division for the Mountain West Conference Championship, which I believe is December 3rd, first weekend in December. Yeah, so I believe it's December 3rd, which will be a 5.30 kickoff for the uh, for the Mountain West Conference Championship for football. So a big weekend. In fact, lots of big stuff coming up uh, for basketball. Speaking of which, we'll also have basketball audio on Thursday. The Utah State Aggies right now are currently doing their individual workouts. Coach Smith is absent right now. He'll be back on Thursday, and then that's when uh, the practice is closed, but then we'll be open to the media after for post-game audio. I'm going to jump down there. I'm going to get you some post-game audio, uh, and uh, we'll find out what Coach Smith and others have to say about the upcoming 2019-2020 Aggie basketball season. All right, going back to football, uh, it was really interesting about uh, Coach Anderson's thoughts about, I mean, would you rather face, what's more dangerous, facing a running game that is lethal or a spread offense that can score a lot? And this was Coach Anderson's thoughts. You know, I told us to the talk in the defensive staff last week, we just in our base not to get too technical, but two tight ends on the field or two backs in the backfield and one tight end and two wide receivers, we call it our 43 package. Um, Gosh, we've practiced that for the last probably four years. I mean, just maybe 5% of our practice time for the whole year through practice and spring ball and everything. Yeah, and goal line. Goal line is the same way. We I don't even think we had a goal line package. Nobody ever got into that in the Pac-12, except for maybe Stanford, right? And maybe Cal a little bit, but you worried about it very, very little, and that was only if those guys were on your schedule. Well, we're two games into it, and we probably have 
50 reps of goal line underneath our belt. <laughs> it's just it's crazy. So uh, what would I prefer? Um, either way is fine. It's just, you know, these teams do a nice job of uh, having you play multiple packages um, on defense. And if you don't play multiple packages, just in my own opinion, I think you'll be in trouble because you, uh, you need to get the skill on the field to match the skill and you need to get the big guys on the field to match the big guys on the field, which uh, eats up practice time, which is forces uh, more meeting time. Um, that's productive meeting time and, and kids being able to grasp some different types of schemes that, uh, you know, sometimes in some leagues you don't have to work on nearly as much. So it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's the way this league is going. Maybe that's the way football is going, but uh, the multiple formations and the bigger groups of people has its own problems of adjusting to just as the spread stuff does. That's Coach Anderson's thoughts on the running game versus the spread offense, and he brought up some great points. When you want to look at San Diego State, as deep as our running back group was, I don't think it would have been a problem for Utah State, even if all of them were healthy. I really don't think it would have been a problem. I felt like Coach Anna and Coach Anderson and the defensive staff made enough adjustments and some really great adjustments to shut down San Diego State's running game uh, throughout most of the night. I mean, remember, we're... Aggies were up 23 to 3 in the going into the fourth quarter. And and there wasn't and so when you do that and you make San Diego State, and I in fact, in fact I talked about this last week. When you make San Diego State one-dimensional, it is an absolute monstrous problem for the Aztecs. Because as you can see, Ryan Agnew starts playing backyard football, and he did get away with it once, scrambling from his sideline to the Aggie sideline and chucking across the field and finding uh, Isaac Richardson all alone for a touchdown. That's wonderful, but it's not going to work over half the time. In fact, I'd say less than 20% of the time is that kind of stuff going to work. Hence being he ran 35 yards backwards and nearly got a safety. So uh, it's the, the running game can, I mean, it's great, but if it gets shut down, you got to go to spread offense, you're not used to it. Then it becomes a problem. Now, on the other side, the spread offense is something that, you know, it's, it depends how you use it. If you can use it with a good back, with a good running back who can actually run routes and catch the ball and gain good yards after the catch, then, yeah, it's, it's going to be helpful. If it's just the four wides or the five wide out set, it, it gets exhausting after a while, and it can, it can, it can become predictable. Um, in fact, I, you know, I, even with Wake Forest, I felt they were able to get away with it just based on the fact that they had tall receivers, which, by the way, as we'll find out tomorrow, Colorado State's loaded with another good receiver, actually two of them, um, and they and they can cause problems. And Coach Anderson talked about that, and you'll hear about that tomorrow uh, on our In the Know of the Colorado State Rams. Again, remember Kelly uh, Lyle will be joining us from the Coloradoan and of the USA Today Network. He'll uh, give us his thoughts on this uh, Colorado State offense and their defense and what's been going on with Colorado State. You know, they win the first game, but then – Lost the next three. They lost to Toledo the other night, 41-35. By the way, Toledo is at home against BYU. Uh, BYU got shellacked by Washington. Can they regroup at a tough Toledo team? So it's, you know, but this whole spread offense can work when you have the right element of it. And you have to have a good back for that. And, and he has to be a good blocking back too. And for, I don't know, very few teams, very, very few teams in college can actually pull it off. But that's, that's just my opinion. Uh, in regards to the Mountain West success, we just talked about a little bit about Colorado State, and they, they've struggled since that opening win. But how about San Jose State over Arkansas? Who in the world saw that coming? And if you're Arkansas, you are livid to lose to San Jose State. No disrespect to you Spartans, but you are a bad football team, San Jose State. 
and you have been a bad football team for a very long time. So for them to go out, which makes me thrilled, and I couldn't be more happier for them, to go to uh, SEC country and beat Arkansas Razorback is one of the most hilarious things uh, I could remember in a long time. Here is Coach Anderson on Mountain West Conference success and what it means as we get ready for conference play. First of all, it's awesome for the conference, right? It really is. And um, it seems to me I'm not a... Uh, I don't read much. Uh, in fact, I don't read any. But uh, what I do here and what I do see, um, you know, what Doug gives me basically, is there's a lot of good information out there uh, on the Mountain West. And, and nationally, there should be. There should be a lot of respect that's being gained uh, this year with the type of football that's being played. As far as us looking at it, you know, it seems like this is conference game number two. Uh, you see another opponent, and they're good. You know, they. Uh, they're, they're explosive. There's a lot of good football players. And uh, the Mountain West, the fact that uh, they're playing not good football but great football outside of conference is, is just a huge you know, feather in all of our caps um, as a conference. And to have it be recognized nationally is, is big for all of us. And that's, that's what we want, right? We want competitive games in a tough conference where you've got to line up and play good football every single week. And I just think it's going to be very interesting as we, as we move through time to uh, you know, see who can knock off the, the guys that have been the um, top of the – cream of the crop, I suppose, throughout the years. Is somebody going to be able to really, that we're playing better, is somebody going to be able to go in and knock those guys off? And time will tell. Yeah, now it becomes, you know, instead of room for each other, now you're going against each other, which is going to be really interesting uh, for uh, Arkansas. By the way, Chad Morris is 1-2 and two at Arkansas versus the Mountain West. <laughs> uh, that's good stuff. Uh, and... Uh, Again, for the Mountain West, it, it I mean, it's just another feather in the cap, right? It's another, it's another uh, what would you call it, gold star on the poster, if you will, for five years old. It's just, it's a huge, huge thing for the Mountain West Conference to be this successful this year. Not only Wyoming beating Missouri, but you have Purdue losing to Nevada. Uh, Utah State, I mean, we could talk about it for hours, but probably should have been part of that group if they could have finished off things against Wake Forest and... Um, Who's the other one? Boise State beating uh, Florida State uh, and then somehow only scoring 14 points at home versus Marshall. By the way, Boise State's offense looks just doesn't look right. And, you know, this, this freshman quarterback, he, he looks okay, but I don't know. I just feel like, uh, I, feel, I feel like Utah State's defense can give him a lot of troubles uh, since, uh, I mean, it just – when you watch him versus Air Force, he did he, he doesn't have a strong arm, uh, and he can't really put a lot of zip on the ball. How I mean, and, and they honestly, if Air Force quarterback doesn't get hurt on Friday night at Boise, then I think Air Force wins that ball game. In fact, if that game's in Colorado Springs, I think Air Force wins that ball game. Um, but there's a lot of talk about this Mount West Conference. There's a lot of talk about what the Mount West Conference has been able to do. There's a lot of talk about, is the Mount West Conference the best G5 conference in the country? Now, UCF, UCF lost, of course, to Pitt, so that knocked them off their little pedestal. Thank goodness, too. I was really getting sick of uh, UCF fans and their Twitter account, to be quite honest with you, just showboating everybody, thinking they're the greatest things in sliced cheese. Uh, but with that, I you know, it's... Uh, it's it's good for the Mountain West because now, I mean, if you can get a team like Utah State or Boise State in there ranked and then win the Mountain West Conference Championship, I'd prefer Utah State, of course, they can get into that New Year's Six Bowl game. That'd be awesome. Uh, that'd be something that everyone would 
would really, uh, I think, would love to see a fresh new face in there, right, besides UCF. Uh, when people would do their Mount West Conference rankings, um, and I actually put mine together for you, and this is what I, as just as of right now and what I've seen, this is what I have. Boise State, Utah State, Fresno State, Nevada. Uh, I'll put call yeah, I'll put Wyoming there. Mm, and this is where it kind of gets low pickings if you if you really want to be honest with each other. Uh Hawaii, San Diego State, Colorado State, San Jose State, and then UNLV. And New Mexico probably at the bottom. Uh, but I, I think Boise State and Utah State are your top two teams, which everyone would not be surprised with. I think Air Force competed with Boise State, so I still think you put them in the top five or so. Uh, San Diego State's still a good football team. I don't know if you put them in the top five. Hawaii is a good team. This th- this conference is about as low as it's been in a long, long time. Um, and with that, uh, it, it's it's not it's not going to be a cakewalk like it was last year. Remember the Aggies. They they have Colorado State this week, and then you've got to go to LSU, who looks like a top three team. Who looks like a team who's going to be in the college football playoff um, for all intents and purposes. And then after LSU, you get a bye week. Thank goodness before you uh, you get into a really brutal part of your schedule. You got Nevada at home, then you go to Air Force, which is always an incredibly tricky game at Air Force on October twenty sixth. You come back, you play BYU at home on Saturday, November second. Uh, and then you've got uh, Wyoming. I know, excuse me. You're on the road at Fresno State, and then Wyoming and Boise State to finish out the year. Uh, just a really tough schedule. So uh, it should be interesting uh, how things look. should be interesting. You know, w- the way we predicted it and the way it ends up will be two completely different things. All right, we're going to take a break. Coming back, uh, NBA ESPN did their top, 50, I guess, rank, NBA rank for players, the top 50. Uh, some you'll be surprised by, some you won't be surprised by. And, by the way, the Jazz fill out nicely in this report. Really nicely. And I'm Audrey Salveson coming up, by the way, hopefully after Eric Franson will join us from practice. He'll give us a uh, look from uh, uh, practice itself, how things look, what he saw, what he heard, and, uh, and uh, all the other good news and reports on Utah State football. It's the Full Court Press on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Audrey Salison, 522, your time here on Tuesday, September 24th. Careful to have you, however, wherever you are joining here on the Full Court Press at 106 on FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric currently at practice right now getting some audio from players uh, and getting himself ready for, again, Saturday's pregame at 3.30, which will be found at Locker 42. You can also find it on 610KVNU and uh, hear all the thoughts, opinions, and, of course, predictions on Saturday night's game at 5.30 p.m. at Maverick Stadium. Get your tickets online at utahstateaggies.com. Uh, all right, so the NBA ESPN did their rankings of players so far. From 50 to 31, this is this is what they have. Uh, I'm not going to read you the whole list because uh, I feel like that just bore you guys to death and you guys don't like being bored. 
But I'm going to give you some surprises that I find in it. And surprises meaning guys that should have been higher and guys that should have been definitely lower. Uh, let's start here. Number 49, Golden State Warriors Golden State Warrior shooting guard, Clay Thompson. His previous rank on this whole ESPN NBA rank was 18th. He is now at 49th, guys. 49th. In, uh, in the description, it says, Thomas has a case as the most terrifying heat check shooter we've ever seen. Unlike almost any other catch-and-shoot specialist, Thompson has won games in huge moments with ridiculous, efficient volume scoring. Who can forget the night in 2016 when he scored 60 points against the Pacers despite dribbling just 11 times and possessing the ball for a total of 90 seconds? Thomas has made the third most three-point shots this decade, trailing only James Harden and, of course, Steph Curry. But what's incredible is that he did that as the second or third banana on one of the mo- uh, era's most dominant teams. So then why is he 49th? Makes no sense to me. Clay Thompson is a top 25 basketball player. There is not a doubt in my mind. Clay Thompson is a top 25 basketball player. At 48, he's the newest jazz man, Bojan Bojanovic who uh, last year in this thing did not rank, and now he's at 48th. Crazy what happens when you go to the Jazz, huh? Bajanovic, he says in the description, could be a great fit in the Utah front court next to Rudy Gobert. At 6'8", enlisted at 216, Bajanovic is relatively similar in size to former Jazz small uh, ball four option Jay Crowder, 6'6", 235, sliding him down the wing to the power forward not only gives Bajanovic a quickness advantage in most matchups, but also makes him and his shooting ability even more dangerous. We all look at that Houston series and say, God, if we could just knock down four more threes. Wide open looks, just knocked him down. It's a totally different series. And I agree with you. Bajanovic does that for you. If he gets a corner look for a three, he's going to knock it down. He was in the top five in corner three percentage last year. Top five. Year before that, top five in corner three percentage. If they can be able to find a way to move the ball to the corner and find him where he gets to his sweet spot, this Jazz offense is going to be incredible. By the way, they have Mike Conley on there. Uh, I like his ranking at 48th, though. I think going from not ranked to being ranked there is 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 fitting for him. Uh, another guy they have here, and at 42, he is the eighth wonder of the world, I guess. Zion Williamson. Is at 42, you guys. Without ever playing a single NBA game, he's at 42. The description of NBA rank panel placed the number one overall pick of this year's draft 42nd, the highest ever for a first-year player in the nine seasons we've been doing the NBA rank. That's understandable given that Zion is one of the most promising players to enter the league in recent memory. Still, is it fair to think any 19-year-old rookie will be one of the league's top 50 players right away? No. What in the world do we think <laughs> when we put Zion Williamson at 42 as one of the top 50 NBA players? Why? Why? I, I just, I, I don't get that. Another guy who I don't think should be ranked as high as he is, is, well, you're going to be kind of surprised, but Chris Paul. Ranked at 32, he dropped 20 spots from his 11th rank, and it says over Paul's past two seasons, three-pointers have represented more than 48% of his looks. It's been re- it has been remarkable late career 
transformation and further evidence that the world's best shooters can thrive and adapt in ways normal shooters can't. One of the most intriguing questions about Paul's next chapters in OKC, will he go back to his beautiful mid-range game? Here's the thing. Paul is like 50 years old, and I know that people feel like he made the team better, and at times he did, but he also made the team worse. His ball possession rate, it was just totally... I mean, for how much he should be giving the ball away and finding open looks, he handled the ball a lot. I don't know. I, I just think like 32 is too high. And especially with an Oklahoma City Thunder team that is looking for another top pick probably in the lottery coming up in June, I, I just don't see how he's going to do any good for Oklahoma City. Any good. In fact, I don't think they make the playoffs. There's one of my bold predictions for you. At number 31, J. Rue Holiday. I like that. I like his ranking. Uh, J. Rue and the Pelicans are going to be a scary basketball team. Um, though I don't think that Zion Williamson is the 42nd best player in the NBA, I think with the team that is assembled around him, they're one of the top nine teams in the Western Conference, which is, again, as usual, loaded. Uh, and so I it's... Um, it's kind of amazing that that young of a team is going to have that much of rank, or at least that put that much pressure on the rest of the Western Conference, being as extremely young as they are. Speaking of the New Orleans Pelicans, Derek Favors, former Jazz power forward, loyal, loyal Jazz guy, at 96 in, in, in the top 100. Uh, he uh, His veteran presence for this young Pelicans team is going to do wonders for them. And he's a great locker room guy, which is what... Again, this locker room in New Orleans could be really, really immature. I think Derek Favors is going to help balance that with his leadership, his veteran, uh, as a veteran, and then, of course, uh, his maturity on and off the court. I, I just I think it's a great, great fit for the uh, New Orleans Pelicans. And good on Derek Favors to find a team that's going to be contending for a uh, West, well, for a playoff spot. I'm not going to say a Western Conference championship, but definitely for a playoff spot. All right, speaking of the NBA, uh, the other night, uh, there was this interview being done. I'm just trying to find, make sure I give credit to the right people, so excuse me here. But uh, Shaq sat down with a uh, Christine Leahy, uh, which is uh, on Fair Game. It's a show that's about... 3.30 3.30 Mountain Time on FS1. And and Christine Leahy asked a question uh, uh, about, and I, I'm not sure how the conversation came about, but then Mark Matson, who is now the head coach at UVU, came into the conversation. And, and Shaq had some really, really interesting things to say. And, I, and, and when I say interesting, it's in a positive way. Check out this long bit in, this, in these stories from Shaquille O'Neal about Mark Matson. There's a lot of stories about your generosity. I don't think a lot of people know. Some of them they do. But you've given players money to buy suits. Some of them have even said this on my show. You give Oh, yeah. Who? Mark Madsen was on the show. Oh, Mad Dog. You yeah, gave, you gave him guy. money to give a down payment on a new car. I did. Because Mad Dog is, Mad Dog was the purest NBA guy I've ever met. Yeah? He really was. And I had to protect that. I don't know much about Mormons or their religion, mm-hmm. but Mad Dog, 
Most rookies, when they come in, they go crazy, including me. I went crazy. Mm-hmm. Especially Just coming spending here. money, partying. No, I'm everything. Okay. I came here, I went crazy. I can remember my first time coming here, going to a place called Roxbury. <laughs> and just standing outside, not being able to get in. Is that Tom Cruise? Tom Cruise pulled up in sunglasses. <sighs> Everybody in the front going crazy. Oh my God, this is Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe, Chris Rock, Adam Sandler. Oh, here comes God. God is getting out the car, Eddie Murphy. When Eddie Murphy get out the car, like this. I'm like, wow. And I, I come in and I get acclimated and, you know, have fun. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm being a young. Mm-hmm. Mark was none of that. So what do you and mean I, you had to protect that? I had to protect him. By giving him money for a car? No, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to break it down without snitching. Okay. There's 12 guys on the team, including Mark. 11 guys are doing what guys with money do. Sure. And it's one guy that's not. Okay. So when you got 11 guys and you want everybody to be collective, everybody, da, 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 da. I was going to, nah, Mark ain't doing that. Mark's not doing that at all. Stay away from him. Don't invite him out. Don't be bringing certain people around him. Don't do that. Because he told me, he said, Shay, I don't do that. So I don't do that. I don't, I don't talk to women. I'm waiting until I get married. And it was, it was awesome to hear because mm-hmm. I've never heard that before. And I said, okay, so it was my job to protect them. But I still wanted to make them cool, part of the guys, <laughs> right? Like we, we, we have on our $1,000 suits and Mark, little khakis, little shirt. And I said, Mark, you, you got to be an NBA player. No, yeah. Shaq, I want to save. I want to take your money. I said, we're going to do that, but I'm going to introduce you to some people where you do that. Like, suit costs $1,000, but we're not going to pay 1000 When I walk in, they don't give us half off. So I, I introduced them to the people. Hey, this is Mark. Dress them up, boom, boom, boom. And then we're all in Mercedes, Ferraris, Lexuses, and Lamborghinis, and Mark is in. I'm like, Mark. So I took him to the dealership. I said, hey, this is Mark. I saw you had the little thing in the, in the, in the, in the uh, paper where it's $300 a month. That's the deal we want. Don't try to overtalk us. This is Mark. That's what he want. Get him a truck. So, you know, because you know, everybody has, has a truck. So I said, we're going to get him a Suburban or a Tahoe. Because I just wanted to make him be, be part of the team, but not really. Yeah. But, so, but he was, he's the, he's the purest guy I've ever met in the NBA. Huh? This kid makes no mistakes. I, and I love him. Uh, his mom and my mom became close friends, but he's, he was a great guy. But I, I just felt it was my duty that I had to protect him because a lot of times when you come in that way, because I know a couple guys, and you know a couple guys that came in that way, and then their whole life got turned around. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they got <laughs> yeah, no more money. Yeah, yeah. No, no, not only that, but they just got turned around. They did that, too. They, they got turned around. And I didn't want him to get turned around. So I said, I told everybody, stay away from him. Don't bring that. Don't do that. Like, I used to go sometimes and be like, oh, Mark's on this floor? Nah, move him. Move Mark off this floor. Because I don't want him to see something that's going to, you know, make him think different of us. Is that cool or what? First of all, I didn't know that Mark Matson was LDS. I had no idea he was LDS. Uh, and for Shaq to be that gen- generous with with someone like that, and you know, coming into the league, and and of course, you you can't just come into the league and expect someone to take care of you like that. Some a lot of guys, especially if I dare say the ego of Shaq, probably wouldn't do that. But to be able to with his reputation and his attitude of, look, I mean, I am LDS, but I'm not going to go out and, and shove it down your throats and, and, and you know, puff out my chest that I'm, I'm more, what is it, righteous than, you know, than him or ra- more righteous than thee or whatever the phrase is. Uh, there was just no way 
that was going to uh, that Mark was going to allow it to happen, and that's how he gained the respect from Shaq. And then Shaq goes and you know takes care of him, gets him a truck, gets him some clothes that more quote unquote L.A. style, but doesn't totally you know ruin or I guess not you know change who Mark is in any way, shape, or form on the outside. But then also Shaq took care of Mark Matson because of who Mark was on the inside as well. You think about some of the great players that came into the league and, and probably were changed. Um, Kobe Bryant was one of those guys, obviously. Uh, I, I feel like, you know, I was reading a book uh, called The Assisted. Uh, I think it's The Assist or Assisted from uh, John Stockton. If you haven't read the book yet, it's incredibly good. And John talks about, and because Mark kind of reminds me, when I hear about the story, I think about John Stockton, right? Now, John wasn't like taken care of by anybody in this regard because he kind of did it on his own. Living in his parents' basement, had Roman noodles and whatever, you know, pancakes. And, I mean, he just kind of did everything his own because he wanted to save every check he had because, as he said, he didn't know how, he didn't know how long he was going to make it in the NBA. So, John comes in and he's just, I mean, not spending money at all and trying to save every penny he's got. And he's, he's driving this old beat-up, you know, car around to, to get to practice or whatever during his first years in the NBA. And even, but then uh, during the late time of his year, he even said this in his book. He talked about, you know, before it was, hey, let's gonna, we're going to hang out with the players. You know, me, Jeff Hornacek, Carl Malone, even Coach Sloan would come down and have a beer with him. And then later in his career, it became this thing of uh, where – Jer or excuse me, John one time, and this is like in the latter part of his career, uh, he went to go talk to Jeff Hornacek there and he go out to dinner or something. And it was always a rule way before in like the middle nineties where or I guess middle late nineties where they said, Look, when we go out to dinner, no cell phones. All right, when we go out to dinner, it's just us. We're gonna talk, we're gonna converse, we're gonna have a conversation, we're gonna get to know each other. That was something that they prided themselves on. Well, during that two thousand year or I think maybe in 2001, as they became very late veterans, uh, John went to go meet Jeff Hornacek at a hotel room, knocked on his door. John was looking at his cell phone. Jeff opened the door and said, hey, John, but he was still looking at his cell phone. They both then made eye contact, eye contact and said, what has happened to us? You know, we used to be this guy, you know, this team of like, hey, we go out together and it's just us. No distractions any, of any sort. And now we're on our cell phones and texting or whatever it is. And we're, what happened? The NBA can change you. And usually more often than not, for the worse. So with that, I mean, I, I, and, I, and I say all that, and it sounds like a long turnaround here, but for Shaq to realize who Mark Matson was as a person, as an individual off the court, and then take care of him, so he didn't have to deal with that nightlife that the NBA players love to be a part of, just says a whole lot about Shaquille O'Neal. A whole lot. That he would be willing to help uh, Mark Madsen out like that. I think it's one of the coolest stories, honestly. One of the coolest stories uh, that you could uh, possibly imagine um, about Shaquille O'Neal. Again, no ego from this guy. Well, at least with that story. Now, I'm, I'm, I mean, look at the show. Shoby. Actually, that's what we should call it, right? The Shelby Show, the Shaq and Kobe Show. Um, between those two and the war that they had, when their egos definitely came into play. In fact, if you watch that 30 for 30, uh, This is Magic, uh, about the Atlanta Magic, you know, Penny Hardway and Shaquille O'Neal, 
And when things got good, those egos got bigger and it exploded. And that team that was destined to be at least in a couple more NBA Finals dispersed, destroyed, and Shaq went to L.A. and the rest is history. And then, of course, Shaq and Kobe had their feud and then Shaq went to Miami after that. And I just, egos were a huge part of the NBA, but it's cool to see that Shaq was able to let down his ego for even for a short time to help out a good guy like Mark Madsen, who is now, again, the head coach at Utah Valley University. Uh, By the way, I heard, I don't know if this is true, but I heard about this BYU on their schedule. In fact, I'm going to look this up on the fly just to make sure I don't lie to you guys. But BYU basketball this year is missing a team. And it's it's not just it's not just any team, but it's it's a big one. And it's actually kind of an ironic one, too, to say the least. Uh their schedule as of right now. Ooh. See if they have it here. Here it is. Um they play Utah, Utah State in the Beehive Classic, Weber State. And do they play Southern Utah? No. But they also don't play UVU. Now, whether that was Mark Pope's decision or the school's decision, who knows. But it was really ironic that Mark Pope and and, uh, Mark Mattson couldn't get together and figure this thing out and and, and schedule even just a preseason game to fit it in somewhere. Uh, and oh, by the way, the uh, suspension, which is ten games, I believe. Here's your first ten games. You ready? UT Tyler, Cal State Fullerton, San Diego State, Southern Utah. Oh, so they do have Southern Utah on the list. So by the way, the only team that BYU doesn't play in the state of Utah is UVU. Really interesting. Continuing, Houston, Boise State, UCLA. And either Shaminator, Kansas, and this is in the uh, in the in the tournament, and then they'll uh, have a to be determined game. And then Montana Tech and Utah. So again, you're out by there. You're out one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Utah, UNLV, Nevada at thirteen. Make sure I got that right. One. So UT Tyler, Cal State Fullerton, San Diego State. Those are three exhibition games. Then the tournament of Southern Utah at this, the Maui Gym, or excuse me, Jim Maui Invitational, Southern Utah, Houston, Boise State, that's six. And then uh, another portion of the Jim Maui Invitational, UCLA, Shaminator, Kansas, and then a two-way determined game, that's nine. Montana Tech, Utah, UNLV, Nevada, that's 13. Their 14th game will be against Utah State, which means that Yuli Childs will not be available December 14th because of the suspension that he's having to sit for due to NCAA violation. Harsh suspension, to say the least, but a suspension nonetheless. Utah State Aggies will be facing uh, the BYU Cougars minus Yoli. Um, But, I mean, if Utah State, you want to face BYU at their best, right? So it is what it is. Again, that game December 14th is at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time at Vivint Smart Home Arena. All right, coming back, we'll get into some more news around the world. What's going on? We'll also get into some Mount West Conference football stuff. Just kind of give you a brief update on the schedule and Region 11 football as well. That's all coming up here on the Full Court Press 
Uh, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Yeah, yeah. Forty-six for time. I'm Aj Salison. Welcome to the Full Court Press. However, and wherever you are joining us, thanks for doing so. Eric Franson is going to get audio for Utah State football. He'll share that audio with us uh, on uh, tomorrow during our In the Know. Again, you can hear some of the other audio during on Saturday for three thirty pregame at Locker Forty Two, where KVNU will be at Lewis Craig Hislop, Eric Franson. They get you ready for the Colorado State game five thirty p.m. on the CBS Sports Network. Uh, you know, looking at the schedule uh, for the Mountain West Conference, as we get ready for conference play and we kind of start doing to dive into it a bit more, there's also some other big games going on around the country, and I want to hit those up as well. Uh, for week five, can you believe it? We're in week five, you guys. Are you joking me? So, what, there's, is it really 15 weeks? There's no way. Oh, sorry, there's 14. Yeah, there's 14. Okay. I was going to say that's it's crazy. Um, So we're in week five, and by in two weeks, so during our bye week, we'll be halfway through the season. That is incredible. So coming up on uh, week five of uh, top 25 action first, let's start there. Not a lot of great games on. Uh, Penn State and Maryland was going to be a good game until Maryland just kind of flushed that down the toilet. Uh, Matt Wells and the Texas Tech Raiders, after losing to Arizona in bad fashion, ugly fashion to say the least, they get the reward of heading to Oklahoma to face Jalen Hurts and the Oklahoma Sooners, who are right now ranked sixth in the country. That thing could get ugly in a hurry. Uh, speaking of ugly in a hurry, Texas A&M will be heading to Arkansas. Arkansas already, of course, the victim of San Jose State, uh, will probably be under 500 after A&M's done with them. Uh, Ole Miss is at Alabama. Now, remember, Ole Miss has given Alabama troubles throughout the last four years, whether it's been at Bama or against Ole Miss. So, I mean, uh, at Ole Miss. it's Alabama has a tough, tough time with the Ole Miss squad, so we'll see if that happens again. Uh, 18, number 18, Virginia. Brocko Mendenhall and his squad. 4-0 and o on the year so far. How about that? They head to South Bend, Indiana to take on the Notre Dame Irish, who are ranked in the top 10. They are 2-1 and one on the season. Another big matchup is going to be uh, USC and Washington. USC nearing number 21th in the country after just beating up Utah. They uh, will face Washington, who beat up BYU. Uh, they'll be at Washington. That's at 1.30 p.m. on Fox. That's a big game. By the way, the Virginia-Notre Dame game on NBC. I'm um, looking at other notable games. Ohio State's at Nebraska. Nebraska and Scott Frost squad, 3-1. Uh, Ohio State's right now number fifth in the country. They're four and zero, and of course Utah, who fell a lot, nine spots to nineteenth in the country. They're now three and one overall. Face uh, Washington. That's an eight o'clock start on Fox Sports One. That's on FS One. Washington State's at Salt Lake City. That's a big, big, big game for Utah. They can't afford to drop a second game to. Uh, Sorry, they can't afford to drop a second game uh, in, in the Pac-12. All right, so joining me now here on the Full Court Press, it's my co-host who was here, is now gone. He's in brighter and greener pastures. He's in better weather. It is 
Eric Franson. Eric, are you there? Hello. Hi, Eric. How are you? Hello, hello, hello. Oh, we lost him. Eric, he's still there. You got me, AJ? Uh, we, I think we're having some technical difficulties, so we're going to shut Eric off here. I'm not sure what's going on. We apologize, Eric, if uh, you cannot hear us. <laughs> we're going to turn him off. Uh, <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> he uh, he can't hear us, and so uh, we'll uh, we're having some technical difficulties, which we always do when Eric is away. I, um, it's Eric's fault, not the machine. That's for dang sure. All right, coming back, we'll wrap it up. We'll get you uh, through uh, the Mountain West Conference portion of the schedule for Saturday. We'll break more of it down coming on Friday. Again, Nate Craigman will have this week in the Mountain West at 5.30 p.m. on this very station to interrupt our show before Skyview football takes over. By the way, big game for Skyview as they're at Mountain Crest on Friday night at 7 o'clock at Lennar Miller Field in Hiram. All right, so coming up, we'll uh, take down this uh, Mountain West Conference schedule, and then we'll uh, close it up for the night. I'm Audrey Salveson here on the Full Court Press. 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. I see this life like a swinging vine, swing my heart across the line, in my face is flashing signs. All right, you think we got to figure it out. Audrey Salas in here, 554 time. We're about to close up the first hour, or excuse me, the second hour in the show of the Full Court Press here on a Tuesday, September 24th. Uh, my main guy, Eric, we're going to try this again. Eric's going to join me here on the full court press as he was just at practice. Eric, can you got me? Mountain time. Shh, and Eric's done. <laughs> I hate you. Does that answer your question? Shut it. I'm here. Zip it, Doris. Uh, Eric, it was uh, a spirited uh, practice up there today. Yeah, tell us about it uh, here for just a minute. Tell us what you saw. Well, I can't tell too much about what I saw, but um, this is a team that, um, you know, early in the uh, fall camp, we saw this team was very active. They'd go from one play to the next, and they're moving guys around, and after practice is done, the, the offensive line, they're running side to side. Uh, that is still the same now. Uh, they don't hold back now that they're into the regular season. They're still pressing so that when it gets to game time, the game slows down for them and so that they can effectively run a pace game. And so that's still going. Uh, it's still impressive. Uh, you see a lot of players getting after it and uh, saw some really sweet passes and great catches today. And this is a team that uh, they're aware of what happened last year uh, and they're aware that Colorado State may have a little bit of uh, sour taste in their mouths about how it went down last year. So they're trying to be ready for it. Uh, is there anybody that, I mean, we, we talked about Andy, Andy Koch being out. Did you see him on crutches or anything? Did you see Andy at all? Um, can or can you not say? Yeah, no, I don't, yeah, I don't really want to get into who I did or did not see, um, uh, who may or may not have been, uh, injured or, or not. Okay. Um, but, but, um, no, there was... The thing is that there's depth. Uh, this is a team that has depth and is working to develop depth in places where maybe they thought it was a little bit shaky at, at some positions. So um, they continue to work on that. The, the bye week, the week before, was really good for them to work on that. Uh, and uh, they're they're feeling pretty good about their position right now going into their second game of conference play. Great. Well, Eric, thank you for your time. Greatly appreciate you. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Yeah, we'll hear more from the players tomorrow. 
All right. Thanks, Eric. That's Eric Franson. That's my co-host, and uh, he's one of the meanest dudes in town. And for me, Audrey Salatin, thank you so much for joining us. It's an in the know tomorrow on the Full Court Press. <laughs>